listening to the Dr. Claude Kirshner Show. My name is Dr. Claude Kirshner, and we are here to serve organizational leaders and agile teams who strive for excellence and differentiation. I hope you enjoy the content. If you have any questions or would like some additional resources, please visit our website at www.archconsults.com. Enjoy. the thrill of fulfillment to the Stelcom of Utopia. If you work the land and you plant the seed and you eat the fruit, how good does that fruit taste? It tastes better than if somebody just gave you a fruit and said, hey, here's an apple. Thanks, see you later. But if you planted that apple, you nurtured that apple, and you bit that apple, even if it wasn't good, you say, man, this is, this is a great apple. I grew this apple. I was a part of this process. So one of my favorite quotes, I'll say it's one of my favorite ones of all time. It says, the reasonable man, woman, adapts himself or herself to the world, adapts themselves to the world. It has to change based on the world. The unreasonable man or woman persists in adapting the world to himself or herself. Therefore, all progress, all progress, depends on who? The unreasonable man or woman. It's an unreasonable person who decides that they're gonna build a device that you can put in your pocket and it's gonna replace computers. There's a guy that was in a college dorm room and he decided to enter the computer industry. Is that a reasonable thing to do while you're in college? Let me just go into the computer industry with no education, with no resources, whatever that looks like. Not only did he go into the computer industry, but he chose to go down the path of hardware. And at this particular time, Everybody was going towards software in the computer industry and not hardware. He said, instead of going towards software, I'm going to go towards hardware and I'm going to do the hardware better than anyone else. After he said that, he said, no, you know what? I'm going to do it in a way, if you, if you are privy to business, which some people I know are, are new to business, what happens is when you standardize things, costs go down. When you customize things, costs are the cost of customizing a service or whatever it is is higher than the cost of standardizing it. So this unreasonable person said, I'm going to the computer industry, I'm doing hardware, I'm customizing it, and it's gonna be cheaper than anyone else. The last unreasonable thing that this person did, then I'll ask if you know who he is, is he said, instead of people buying it from the store or me selling it through a distributor, which is where all hardware is being sold at the time, I'm going to sell it directly to the customer, which at that particular time, computers were all being manufactured by a company called IBM, who here, when's the last time anyone bought an IBM computer? They don't exist anymore. They, they said, I'm going to choose to manufacture a hard device. I'm going to do it. I'm going to customize it. It's going to be cheaper and better than anyone else out there. I'm going to sell it directly to the customer. Who is the person I'm talking about? His name is Michael Dell. Dell Computers is a $50 billion company right now. He started this company by disrupting the way things are. He was unreasonable in his approach. So as we talk about entrepreneurship, and I said, fundamentally, entrepreneurship is empowerment. Every single person in this room is creating in some way or another, whether you're just interested in business, whether you're just interested in a particular segment, you're going to make something better, make something unique, and make the world a better place. Therefore, all progress depends on you. It's empowering to think about that. He probably woke up and he sat on the side of his bed for 10 minutes and he, he debated whether or not He's gonna shave his face 
or whether or not he's going to brush his teeth. And he was like, you know what? Which one of these things am I going to do first? Most likely he didn't. Why? Because it's habitual. What he did when he woke up in the morning, makes breakfast, doesn't think about it, may brush his teeth, may not brush his teeth, who knows. But he goes about his habitual routine. And what entrepreneurs are meant to do in our world and our society, they're meant to disrupt the way that we act, the way that we behave. So when entrepreneurs go out to the market and they're inherently disruptive in whatever it is that they're trying to do, is that an easy thing to disrupt someone's routine? Entrepreneurship to me is where unreasonable meets discipline, where disrupting meets a process, where empowerment meets business acumen. This is entrepreneurship. And right now, more than ever, what do they say? I got a side hustle, yeah. starting a business. I'm hustling, grinding, I'm uh, draped out, my new gear that I've designed, I don't know what the new terminology is, but the, re the reality is people want or are interested in this phenomenon called entrepreneurship. But one of the things that I know is they have no idea what it is. And plus, they may not even know how to do it. They don't want to say it, they think it's cool, they, they understand the empowerment nature of it, and my goal tonight is to really inspire you, to walk you through what it means not only to be an entrepreneur and understand the process of entrepreneurship, but to fundamentally get you to do it habitually. To get you to do it as if it's like brushing your teeth in the morning. You understand the terminology, you understand the market research behind it, you understand the industry, you understand opportunity recognition, you know how to design a business model to come up with a business model canvas, you know how to pitch your ideas, you know how to interview other entrepreneurs and ask them the questions that need to be asked so that you can take your business to the next level. That's what we're doing. And the fun part about it is we're doing it together as a group, as a team. I'm here to facilitate your learning. I'm here to help you, the entrepreneur, figure out what your next step is. If we're talking about a particular concept and you say to yourself, how does that relate to my candle business? Ask me the question. Talking about the uh, customer and the customer segment and you're figuring out ways to uh, potentially differentiate yourself. But how do I do that in my company? This is the company I have. Let's talk about that. New to the subject of entrepreneurship and is just figuring out like, I just want to taste this thing and take it for a ride. But I don't have a business and I'm just sort of seeing it from the big picture. Can anyone be an entrepreneur? Anyone can think like an entrepreneur. But doing entrepreneurship takes a unique person with unique competencies and unique skills. And doing it successfully to grow a sustainable venture is different. Let me make sure that anyone can be an entrepreneur, but not everyone can sustain the lifestyle and can sustain some of the dark sides of entrepreneurship that are real. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that it is not as easy as everyone makes it out to be. Fundamentally, is how to think entrepreneur. That anyone can do. And that skill set can help you in whatever job you have, in whatever career that you pursue, and even in your family. I don't know about you all, but my wife is pregnant. When I say pregnant, she's having contractions like this weekend. <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking just in my family decision-making and my family dynamics, how am I going to be there for my wife? What are we going to do with my younger daughter when we're at the hospital? And we have to think creatively and entrepreneurial. My wife worked from home today. I drove my daughter to school, dropped her off uh, in an entrepreneurial way. I finagled my way to get my car into getting the oil change, which needed to happen uh, closer to my house as opposed to further to my house. I'm constantly thinking about what entrepreneurs always think about that needs to be tattooed on every entrepreneur, and it starts with an L. And the second word is really resources. But the first word is 
All right, so what do we do with resources? We use them, right? What's another word that might start with an L when you take a, a, a rock and you want to leverage? What does leveraging resources mean? So how do we think differently about the resources that we're given in order to leverage them to make our business grow or to start our business or to partner with people? Exhilaration, confidence, freedom, possibility, ambiguity. What does ambiguity mean? Ambiguity is one of the hardest things any manager has to face. Entrepreneurs aren't scared of it. Ambiguity is missing information. It's lacking information to make a decision. Not really sure. I, I, I saw this when I was in grad school and I thought it really resembled what it means to be an entrepreneur and what it means, just some of these words on how you define your days, how you define your business. It's, it's, a, it's a roller coaster ride. It's different. But some of those words up there are some of the most empowering, transformational words that you can imagine. And that is entrepreneurship. The subject matter of entrepreneurship is empowerment. It is where the unreasonable person meets discipline. But it's also that process is transformation. It changes you. Changes you. If you tell him he can't do something, does he, does he like that? If you tell him you have to do something, does he like that? A little different. A little quirk to him. There's something called a locus of control, which we'll talk a lot about. And the first time I heard this, I was in a big room at Oklahoma State University. And I was in grad school, and I just signed up to go to this school that I had no idea where it was. I was following a girlfriend at the time, but uh, I was gonna pursue an MBA at a, a school in Oklahoma. I'm originally from Philadelphia. So I was, I was in a different area. <laughs> and I, the first day that I was there, they had orientation. And they talked about this program, which I'll talk about a little bit later. It's called Entrepreneurial Empowerment in South Africa. And it was a consulting experience where a lot of people, when they study abroad, they might go somewhere and, oh, let's go to France. And let's study for like an hour and then let's like sip tea all day. And oh, by the way, I'm in France, but the work is sort of a afterthought. This program is a polar opposite. You went there on a mission. You went there to consult uh, poverty-stricken businesses in the townships of South Africa, and you were there to work. And as soon as I heard that, I said, that's what I want. That's what I want to do. So I said, who runs that program? And I found out it was this guy, and I ended up getting a graduate assistantship with this guy, and he put me to work right away, and they had a veterans entrepreneurship program. So I was like, I'm in the right place. And he put, I think it was about 80 veterans who were business, disabled veterans who were business owners that wanted to go through the programming. It was a week-long programming to help them grow their business. Condoleezza Rice was there speaking, but we were in the, uh, we were in the stadium, Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater, Oklahoma. There was probably about 150 people in the room. And he walks up, this is the inaugural, the first dinner that we had as a group. He walks up and the, he doesn't introduce himself. And he says, I'm going to read something for you. I just know that Thomas Paine is the one who wrote it. When I was in high school, I took a history class. Who here has taken history class in high school or whatever? But I didn't, didn't think it was useful in a certain sense. But I do know that history is some of the most important things that we can study and understand. And some of the people the great clouds of witnesses, entrepreneurs that have, have founded things that benefit us today need to be given homage. These are the pioneers. These are the people who are trailblazers. Everything we do, everything we touch, nothing happens without leadership. And the leadership of entrepreneurs, when they have sound morals, sound values of just the nation of America, think about how this nation was pioneered. Do you think it was reasonable for People would say, you know what, I'm going to leave my nation where I have comfort and security. I'm going to get on a ship that I'm not really sure if I'm going to die or live. 
And I'm going to travel across an ocean. Now, we don't even know what's on the other side of this thing. And I'm going to find another country. It's crazy. I'm not professing or I'm not asserting that you need to be like that. I'm just saying that certain kinds of respect and study of the past to understand what it is that other people have done that got us to where we are today can inspire you in your journey moving forward. And Thomas Paine is one of them. Uh, certain presidents are some of them. So sometimes if you find interest in a particular person or their career, reading their autobiography and understanding how they lived their life and just emulating some of the things that they do are great ways to learn how to be more entrepreneurial, more creative. I mean, there's certain rules and paradigms that we all have to live in. How about the one that says the thrill of fulfillment to the Stelcom of Utopia? If you work the land and you plant the seed and you eat the fruit, how good does that fruit taste? It tastes better than if somebody just gave you a fruit and said, hey, here's an apple. Thanks. See you later. But if you planted that apple, you nurtured that apple, and you bit that apple, even if it wasn't good, you say, man, this is, this is a great apple. I grew this apple. I was a part of this process. So it's a fulfilling nature in itself. All the time I would say, and I said in my email, that an entrepreneur's journey is emergent. One of my favorite quotes, favorite quotes ever is, the entrepreneur may create and shape the venture, but the venture creates and shapes the entrepreneur. And this is what we're talking about today, that the journey matters, that people have done it before, people have made a difference, and we are sitting in the glories and the fruit of some of the people that have created before us. Part of my desire to continue building is just to honor the legacy of the people who did it for me. Undertake, go somewhere. Who's played this game, the Oregon Trail? So this is when computers are first coming out. I was in fourth grade, I'm 39 by the way. And uh, they had a computer game. And it was the only computer game they let us play in school. So I was all about this computer game. And the Oregon Trail was really a game where they had, there's something called the Oregon Trail in the United States, which goes through the Appalachian Mountains and sort of goes out west. And you had to prepare for this journey. And on this journey, you would run into situations where you could either go left or you could go right. And right led to disaster and famine and Indians who were going to do bad things to you. And then left led to uh, finding food and protection for your family. And you had to learn as you went through this journey, how do you make these decisions? What do you look for in these decisions? And there's something that is fundamentally true, I believe, and scientifically demonstrated in the entrepreneur's journey. It's called the corridor principle. And the corridor principle sums up what I said before of the entrepreneur changes as you go through the process. Because if you can picture yourself uh, walking through a corridor, first of all, not everybody starts the journey. Who here has ridden a horse before? Some of you have. Who here has never ridden a horse before? Raise your hand. Do you have any desire to ride a horse? Like, does it look enticing to you? Yeah, I mean, so there is a, and I'm using this as an analogy or a principle, is I am scared to death to get onto a horse. I'm not, it's, it's a scary process. But somebody who has ridden horses, somebody who has taken that horse and tamed it and brought it down a path has a different mindset towards the horse. So there's an intimidation to start this journey of entrepreneurship. I'm really sure, well, I have to make sure everything's perfect. And I'm saying, stop. I'm saying progress begets progress. Start walking. Your idea doesn't have to be perfect. Your opportunity doesn't have to be the next UberX. I'm just saying, have something 
work it, move it down the corridor. And as you go through the corridor, you'll start opening up doors and start meeting new people and say, hey, nice to meet you. What do you do for work? How can we work together? Peter, man, it's so great to meet you. Oh my gosh, look at this corridor of entrepreneurs and opportunities and we're walking here. We're making things happen. We are progressing our way with our business down a corridor. But what's gonna happen if we never start? We'll never get on the horse. We'll never ride the horse. And yeah, we might fall off the horse. Yeah, we might get hurt. But what happens if you get back on the horse? Some of the craziest, my wife, and I'll bring her up a lot in some of these conversations, had a horse. And when we first got married, it was a joke because her mom at our wedding decided that she was going to take the, the bridle of the horse and was going to give it to me. Congratulations. You're now in charge of this horse. And I'm like, oh, I love this horse. It's great. This horse is big. And it was an ex-race horse. And then was Bodie. We don't have the horse anymore because we had kids and we had to get rid of the horse. Thank God. But for a year after we were married, I had to take care of this horse. And the point of me trying to say this is there were times where this horse tried to kill me. And I feel like I had to take the horse out and with the run it around to do the thing where the horse had to like run. And I, I had to stand in the line, I don't know what you call it, but and I wasn't very good at it. So you take this rope, the horse on the rope, you take the end of the rope and you're supposed to hit the horse, supposed to run around circle. It went to kick me and it came this close to kicking my face. And my wife goes, oh, you're okay, no problem. That's it, I'm done. And she's like, come on, do it again, do it again. And it was wild. So another incident with the horse is that the horse got out of its stall one day and was running around the house. And I'm like, we have to call the police. We have to get the animal control out here. My wife runs outside, gets right in front of the horse and says, stop. And the horse stops. Because why? Because she learned how to work and tame and use the horse as a mechanism for life. That is what we're going to do with our business. And that's what we have, that's the mentality and the habit that we have to get into the mindset of doing when it comes to entrepreneurship. It's different. It's unique. 30 years ago, you ask a school, high school seniors, who wants to be an entrepreneur, who wants to be a business owner, and nobody's raising their hand. Why? Because they want to work for IBM or Deloitte or Accenture, and they want to work for a big bank, and they want to have a 30-year career and retire. Now, if you ask that same question to the same group of high school students, most of them, stats say 80% of them, will say, I want to be a business owner one day. I want to, at some point, own my own business. So what does it mean for our society? What does that mean for education? And so the goal is to get them to open up businesses correctly by putting them through some level of education. But the typical way of learning is changing. That's number one. And the other thing, too, is that more people are interested in the subject matter of business and entrepreneurship. And even if it's a medical student, somebody who maybe they're an author and they want to publish a book on Amazon. Yeah, you can publish one book and you might get some reviews and all this kind of stuff. But what if you became an entrepreneurial author? What if you became an LLC owner? What if you wrote a series of books? What if you partnered with someone and bartered with them and say, hey, listen, you're really good at marketing. I'm really good at writing. Why don't we partner up? I'll write your content for your marketing for free. You market my book for free. What, do you think that business would be a little bit more elevated? And do you think that that author would sell more books if they decided to do yes. that? Yes. So the question is, and this is something called expanding our opportunity horizon. Do we even know how to do that? Do we know how to approach this conversation? Do we know that other business owners are the best resource to introduce to business owners? So if I, if I have a, if I'm in the horse training business, 
have you ever thought about children with autism? Have you ever thought about, you know, this? Do you know any companies or, or programs out there that offer speech therapy to children with autism? Well, why don't you go and ask them, tell them about your horse business, and why don't you take a horse there one day and see what happens? Be creative, be guerrilla oriented. That could introduce them to another business that could change the way they do business. So that way of thinking and expanding opportunity horizons and that way of introducing you and colliding you with business ideas is the emergent process of entrepreneurship. It changes. So what I ask is be open and willing to those changes. Be understanding that those kinds of things happen. So the purpose of this stuff is to say entrepreneurship, there's a revolution going on right now. Hello, if you haven't noticed it, welcome to the revolution. It's called the entrepreneurial revolution. Change and innovation, technology, the ease and the, the simplicity of starting a business in our nation is so easy right now. If you wanted to go online and start an LLC, it costs 55 bucks and 25 minutes of your time, maybe 30 minutes of your time. It might cost 150 bucks if you use LegalZoom or something like that, but you can do it. So it's easy to do, it's easier to do than ever. Uh, one of the alarming stats is that. You all, pursuing a subject matter of entrepreneurship, starting a business or starting a venture, could be the number one catalyst to job growth in our nation. More so, what are, what are corporations doing right now like with people? Just name some of the things that you hear in the news about corporations. They're cutting. They're downsizing. They're resizing. So are corporations the ones that are on cutting edges of introducing people to millions of jobs? Or is it the entrepreneurial companies that are starting and growing and resourcing and expanding and scaling that are saying, we are hiring. You, know, you think about Agape, we talked about Agape. This is a program that was very creative with ways they're a nonprofit. So one of the reasons is the CEO behind it has, has a passion, is thinking unreasonably, and is gathering resources from constituents, from wealthy people on boards, and raising money for this organization in a very entrepreneurial way. And if you toured their facility, they have 75 people on staff. They need 200. They are hiring like crazy. They just built a $35 million facility. So not only are they helping the people that are receiving the patients who are receiving the services, they're also employing people because they're doing things differently. They're thinking creatively versus corporations. So do you see how entrepreneurship is changing our society? Because corporations are important. And, and big company and big business, these are good things. What I'm trying to get you to think about is a revolution that's happening of entrepreneurship and why it's important for us to understand and potentially be a part of. Because we can't ignore it. <laughs> it's happening everywhere. In China, in Uganda, in Chile, these countries are more entrepreneurial than they ever have been. They're realizing the gains that the United States of America has had over the course of how many years, and they are freeing up their citizens' ability to be creative and entrepreneurial. This talk I'm giving tonight, I've given this talk 18 times in 12 different countries. Is that hard to believe? Not really, because it's relevant. Entrepreneurial mindset. What does it mean to think entrepreneurial? If you think about a mindset, how do you define a mindset? Thinking, thoughts. So a mindset is attitudinal and behavioral. Attitude leads to behavior. So what is the attitude of an entrepreneur? The cognition. How do entrepreneurs think? Why do they think that way? And then what makes them act the way they act is these entrepreneurial cognitions. Most entrepreneurs I know 
have something called a healthy dissatisfaction. They are not content with the status quo. A healthy dissatisfaction is a good way to explain or to visualize a mindset. If you're walking down the street with an entrepreneur and we see a store, it's a, a tech store to walk in and there's applications on phones. He's gonna look at these other applications, what is he gonna say? Yeah, they're all right, but this, this one's missing this. And functionality over here is not great. The speeds, oh, this one's good. Let me tell you why it's good. He, he's comfortably dissatisfied with how things are and he wants to make them better. He challenges assumptions. When I say, hey, corporations, you know, entrepreneurship is a revolution, I want you to say, why, Claude? Tell me, give me an example. That's an entrepreneurial mindset and attitude. Enormous discipline and tenacity. Perseverance is a little, little different than discipline. What does perseverance mean? Who here has ridden a bike and fell off it? <laughs> I guarantee you, at that time, you said, man, I don't want to do this anymore. In your mind, you said to yourself, too much. There, there's an inkling of thought of, man, I don't want to do this anymore. But every single one of you decided to keep going. Why? That, the cognition of, what are we doing? Why are we keeping going? And entrepreneurs tend to have that more so than others. One of the biggest, most important things an entrepreneur can do is persevere. They don't give up. They focus. They have strategic adaptation. Building a team of zealots. They're, te they're team builders just as much as they're individual workers and they like their autonomy. They're team builders. This is entrepreneurial. How we decide to work within a team, how we focus on our strengths and delegate our weaknesses is an entrepreneurial thing to do. And managers of organizations, one of their roles is an entrepreneurial role. But what I'm trying to get you to understand, hopefully, is that entrepreneurship is sometimes unavoidable. And the more we can grow and learn how to become better entrepreneurs and potentially get on the horse and start riding the horse of entrepreneurship, the better we are going to be able to foster these kinds of things. And I venture to tell you that without the entrepreneurial mindset, life is more difficult. Challenges are more daunting. The ability to understand and recognize opportunity and leverage resources sometimes isn't in your cognitive, you just don't think about it. When you're on a team of people, you just play your role. Hey, tell me what to do. Okay, cool, I'll do it, no problem. The employee perspective, what's that first bullet in the employee perspective? And entrepreneur perspective is fear fuels me. Mistakes must be avoided versus mistakes help me learn. Calculate a risk on my security. I'm gonna, I'm gonna touch on this real quick. Do entrepreneurs take risks? Okay, are entrepreneurs risk takers? When is the last time you sat with a group of entrepreneurs and they say, you know what, let's go bungee jumping? That would be a great idea. Let's go jump out of a plane. Entrepreneurs are not risk takers, they're risk mitigators. They mitigate their risk so that they do not have as much of a chance to fail. They are risk mitigators, not risk takers. Yes, they take risks, but when they take risks, you better believe an entrepreneur has already foreseen the different things that could potentially hurt them along the way. So what I'm saying with that is if, if you just broadcasted a message that this is what I do, and then what if a thousand people came to your front door the next day? Would you be able to offer them the service? What is the risk of saying that all what I do is this? How can we shape that down to something a little bit more specific that when we do launch this venture, the chances of us succeeding are higher? That's an example of how can we mitigate risk as entrepreneurs by segmenting the market and going after a certain type of person and specializing. So what's the next one? I must know everything about my job versus continuous learning is my approach. My goal is to understand that prior knowledge, add to it, 
so that you can come up here with that part. You're building on a foundation of knowledge. And sometimes you have to de deconstruct this prior knowledge. So that's continuous learning. Are you open-minded to learning something new? Or are you just looking for that one thing, for that one no. idea? Or are you, are you open-minded? That's learning is change. Changing what we know into what we now know. And building upon that foundation. If it's a solid foundation. Some of your foundations aren't solid. They need to be shaken. And then they need to be rebuilt. And then they can be built upon. There are some unbelievable entrepreneurs out there that put out some great content on podcasts. I'll share them with you intermittently. One of which I love listening to his name is James Altucher. Have you guys ever heard of James Altucher? Have you guys ever heard of Seth Godin? Seth Godin is another one of my favorites. I listen to a lot of leadership. Patrick Leoncioni. He's less entrepreneur, more management, but he's a great one too. How about vulnerability? Anybody hear that? How about using that vulnerability to ignite a passion? Every entrepreneur has a story. Every single one of them. To dig deep and understand who are you? What makes you unique? There has to be a reason. And if you don't know, ask your friend, ask your mom. There are so many stories in this room. Stories that can be leveraged to do something great. Every entrepreneur, every successful entrepreneur knows how to leverage story in a way that helps them build credibility, that helps them share their passion, and helps them do things that are special. John F. Kennedy said as a president with uh, his space mission, he says, we're going to the moon. We are going to the moon. Let me tell you why. And God darn it, we're going to go. And he took a nation in a space race and built a space program because he decided that this was going to be part of his legacy. Every entrepreneur has a similar story. What moon are you going to? All of us in this room have something in common. What is it? An idea, which also could be called a... When we go to sleep at night, what do we do? Dream. We all have a dream. a dream. We are making dreams come true, period. Know that. That's what we're doing, but it starts with understanding who you are and what you bring to the table. There's a man, his name is Tony Stark. Anyone seen the first Iron Man? Sure. Describe Tony Stark's characteristic traits in the first Iron Man. Egotistical, what else? Who is Sarcastic. This guy? Sarcastic, you know, just individualized, like nobody's as smart okay. as him, whatever it is. And then how about when he was kind of called into his role of being a part of the Avengers? Did he want to do it? He was reluctant to do it, to take on his leadership role. Then, after he took on a leadership role, what happened next? He went on a journey, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Do you know that in Endgame's the very last one, Tony Stark sacrificed his life for the entire world? How did this egotistical guy at the beginning of this movie go through the journey to then be the ultimate sacrifice? How did that happen? That's called the arc of the hero. What you saw Jacqueline do, she did the same thing. She had a story, she was, you know, she got embarrassed, she was reluctant to go back to school, she didn't want to go to school, she was in her career, she didn't really like her career, she didn't really want to leave, but she ended up leaving. And then when she left, then she started her journey. She, she had an incident, she had a calling, she was reluctant to accept it, but then once she accepted it, she went on a journey, and at the end of the journey, she created the Acumen Fund. Very, very powerful. That arc is something I want you to bring out. Bring out that reluctance, the, the incident, something that happened, and bring it out through your business too. And it's kind of every story you hear is going to have that arc. 
It's a cool, when I was writing my book, it was a cool learning takeaway that in every story I had to build this arc so that readers would be interested. Because nobody's interested in saying, you know what, I woke up one day, I won a lottery, had five million bucks, now I'm a millionaire. You guys hate you guys would hate me. Guy, he's, just, he's just lucky. He just won something, he didn't go through a struggle, he didn't have any pain, his whole life has been great, he won the lottery, this guy's luck, he's just, but if I went through a struggle and, and a battle and, and, my, and this tragic thing happened and at the end of that tragic thing happened, something good happened, that is a story that people want to listen to. It's to think about your profile and story as the genesis of your business, of the genesis of your idea, of the genesis of whatever it is. And get good at it. Get good at confidently and vulnerably delivering that story to other people. I, I have met 16 people here. <clears throat> no, nobody inspired me. Not a single one of them. Because a lot of them are walking through their routine and going throughout the day. And they, they don't want to share their story. But man, if you meet that person and you, you, hey, you got a couple minutes, let me tell you about what I do. Let me tell you about what I sell and why I sell. And you hear the passion in their voice. And you listen to them and you connect with them it changes you you as the receiver of that story it makes you want to go do something it's not going to work with everyone but the better you get at that just your presence and your ambition and your passion could ignite a flame in somebody else who knows <laughs> that's what i'm telling you to think introspectively about who you are your values write down 10 of them 10 of them that you really like you take the 10, you narrow it down to 7. You take the 7, you narrow it down to 5. And you take the 5, and you narrow it down to 4. And by that time, you have the four values that your decision should be based on those values. Mine are faith, family, leadership, and strength. And strength is an internal strength that I've had to master. Be real strong in the gym, but real weak on the inside. Real strong and confident, but my wife says something to me, it cuts me down like I'm a second grade boy. What is that? Why am I not internally strong? That, when I share that with you, some of you relate to that. That's what the story is about. It's to figure out a way to connect with other people through your story. And to understand your values is a part of that. So that's, that's why values are important. Where you have been physically, spiritually, emotionally, or just where you've been in your career or your schooling, what happened to create an entrepreneurial thinker and doer? Something unique about you. I don't care what anyone tells you. I want to know about it. I want to know about it. There's some people that are professionals in this room. And you're saying to yourself, I've been working, and I don't, really, I don't really like what I'm doing, or I like what I'm doing, but I know there's more. There's more. What is that? What is that more? What is that that you're craving? Name it. Resources out there like Enneagram, Profile Test, Strengths and Weakness, Strengths Finders, like this kind of stuff. If you've done this in the past, pull that out, blow the dust off of it, read it, learn a little bit more about yourself, and put it into the story. And we're moving away from the entrepreneur and we're going to entrepreneurship and some of the myths around this concept of entrepreneurship. Myth number one, entrepreneurs are doers, not thinkers. But you can see how maybe some people, that's how they think. Right? Entrepreneurs just do stuff. They just go, they build, they go to the moon and make iPhones. Entrepreneurs are not just doers, they're thinkers and doers. They think a lot of times more than they do. They plan, they, they create through a thought process. So that's a myth. Number two is probably more prevalent. Entrepreneurs are born, not made. Who started that one? I was born an entrepreneur. I woke up 
business model canvas was made for breakfast. This building business is my whole life. Born for this. Is that true? I'm here to help you become more entrepreneurial. If you were born, I, there's nothing I can do about it. I'd have to put you back in the womb and then I give birth to you. It doesn't make sense. Entrepreneurship is a process. Processes can be taught. They can be broken down and they can be taught. Step number one, ideation. Opportunity recognition. Entrepreneurs are very good at recognizing opportunity. There's an opportunity in what real estate to become a broker and to own brokerage offices. There's an opportunity to ensure that every single person that's transitioning from an incarceration opportunity has the same level of opportunity as everyone else. Has the resources, has the uh, supplements, is capable of having more opportunity or just as much opportunity as, as somebody who wasn't previously incarcerated. There's an opportunity identification. Once we see the opportunity, developing the concept, creating the business model, doing the research, that the concept is building a business model means how we're gonna make money on this. I love helping people, but how is this gonna provide a living for me and my family? I love helping people um, sell homes, but, but where's the margin in that? How am I going to employ people if I can't, what is the business model that's gonna sustain my ability to attain this opportunity, whatever it is? Determine the required resources. What is it that I need to feed my business model? There's a great opportunity. I built a business model. Now I need resources. What are resources? Money, human capital, intellectual property, physical facilities, yeah. networks. These are resources. What resources do I need to keep my business model going? What do I need to feed my business model? Then I need to get them. I need to acquire them. Could be money. Could be a partnership. Could be a person. I need to go and get it. Once I get it, that's when I implement and start managing a company. So we're really not implementing and managing until here. But you could very well, this is not just, oh, we're going to go through this one time and that's it. You could very well oscillate through these different steps. And then once you build, manage, hopefully at some point you harvest the venture, you exit the venture, you start another one, or you become a millionaire and then you ride horses for the rest of your life. That is the entrepreneurship process, and that is the reason why I'm here. This is the reason why entrepreneurship is more prevalent than any other business subject in every college. There's 5,000 programs around the United States. No programs in the last 25 years have been as building, like think about accounting, accounting's been around forever. There aren't new accounting programs in business schools, but there's no entrepreneurship program. People are building centers. Have you ever heard of the um, accounting centers? Or, I mean, these schools aren't building buildings, calling them centers for uh, philosophy, but they are for entrepreneurship. How do these things operate? Why are they being funded? It's because of everything we're doing as guys. It's because it's a process. It's because it can be taught. Let's go back to the myths. This is fun to read. Entrepreneurship is not something you do. It's a philosophy that you bring to life through that process. How about myth number three? What's an inventor? What's this? It's an invention, right? <clears throat> Thinking creatively is if I ask you a question, if I write this on the board, you would create an invention. That's enough. What would you do with it? You're born. What would you do with it? Electronic cage. What would you do with it? You'd systematize it. Enhance it. I just would underline it. I would add to it. Where is the word? What do you do? This is called creativity. It's thinking about something differently. It's called novel. You would you systematize it. You would create a cage around it. You would do something with it. You would, everybody would do something differently. What you do with it doesn't matter. It's a creative process. Then you get to innovation. So that's creativity. 
Innovation is then making the system. It's prototyping the, the feeder system. It's saying, okay, here's, here's the feeder system. Here's how it works. You see that? It goes like this, and the birds eat it. That's an invention. That's inventing. Entrepreneurship is saying, okay, how do we sell this to the market? How does this make its way onto the stores, and what are people going to pay for it, and what's my market segment? How do we build a business, and how do we create 10 more inventions just like this with the resources that we have and build creativity, innovation, entrepreneurship? Are entrepreneurs always inventors? No. Do they have to invent things to be entrepreneurial? They can, somebody else can invent them. They don't have to invent a product. They can invent a service. They don't have to be inventors of new, unique devices that sell to billions of people. They, they can just start a, a counseling service. They can start a podcast. They could mm -hmm. um, go feed the homeless on the weekends. Who knows? They can shepherd resources to do something constructively. Okay, so they're not always entrepreneurs are academic and social misfits. There's a quote here, oh, the misfits. Entrepreneurs misfits? I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. Am I a misfit? I mean, I'm not a misfit. I'm not a rebel. I'm not like, you know, going to the police cars and hitting them with bats. Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. You can't mess with me. It's 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 a myth. They're, they're, they may not be cogs in a wheel. They may not be like everyone else, but they're not misfits. So it's a myth. Entrepreneurs must fit the profile. Tell me about the entrepreneurial profile. How do you know what entrepreneurs are? I mean, if, if, if I asked you to describe an entrepreneur, everybody's description would be different. Because in your mind, just like that prior knowledge, you're thinking about this guy. Well, I'm thinking about this guy. He's an entrepreneur. He's an academic entrepreneur. You put him and Elon Musk in the same room, they don't have much to talk about. They probably don't even, they might not even like each other. Who knows? But the point is they're not the same people. They don't fit into a profile. Entrepreneurs are not fitting into a particular description. They're everywhere. Academic entrepreneurs, political entrepreneurs. Okay, so we know that they don't fit a profile. All entrepreneurs need is money. If you gave me a million dollars, I'd spend it on something dumb and I could lose it the next day. It's not just about money. What else do entrepreneurs need? Ideas. Oh, time. Who said it? Just give me enough time. I'll, I'll give you something special. Just because somebody has money doesn't make them an entrepreneur. And it doesn't make them a good entrepreneur. So they need more than money. They need intellectual knowledge. They need to understand the market. They need experience. Experience is a big thing. They need uh, a mentor structure. They need a ecosystem. They need to be a supportive family. Think about that. I want you to get a job and keep a job. <laughs> you over here starting businesses. It's it's not it's not normal. We talked a little bit more about that. But all entrepreneurs need is luck. Is that true? No, it's not true. Entrepreneurship is unstructured and chaotic. Didn't I just show you process? Don't we have the business model canvas? Don't we have a book that explains to us how this works? Grow. It's not always chaotic and unstructured. Sometimes things throughout the day can get messy, but that's not always the case. Yes, we've got, so there's a stat out there. Someone will tell you to read this book called The e myth They'll say, 90% of businesses fail first year. Don't even bother unless you're great. 90% of new businesses fail. It is could not be more wrong than ever. And it, whoever's saying that is, is manipulating people through fear to buy whatever it is they're selling. The fact is, it depends on the context. It depends on the industry. It depends on the person. It depends on the... Um, the time period in which the entrepreneur starts their business, it depends on the connections that they might have. Think about the restaurant business. If you're going to start a new restaurant in Cayo uh, Ocho or South Beach, how, what's the probability of you failing? 
fairly high, right? The restaurant industry is dynamic. It's competitive. It's hard. It's also, you can have a great restaurant for a year, but the next year people just don't like your food anymore. You're irrelevant. Versus, let's say you start a metal fabrication company. You're making these. These aren't going anywhere. The probability of you failing is much less. What if you bought uh, a Smoothie King? I love Smoothie King. I've been around for a while. Anyone else? I, mean, I love Smoothie King. They're great. I don't think they're failing. If you're, if you're an entrepreneur, you go in and you buy a business. That's an entrepreneurial thing to do. The chance of you failing is much less. They say, oh, 90% chance of failing. No, you're wrong. Entrepreneur businesses don't just fail. Last one. Entrepreneurs are extreme risk takers. We already talked about that. Are entrepreneurs risk takers? Everyone said? Entrepreneurs take risks, but they are not risk takers. Meaning if you define entrepreneurs as risk takers, you're wrong. What entrepreneurs are risk mitigators. They take risk, but they mitigate it.